Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast, a podcast about movies. I'm David Chen, and actually, I'm not David Chen. I'm just David Chen's head on top of Gal Gadot's body. Joining me today is Devendra Hardwar. These gods sure are furious, if you know what I mean. <laughs> okay. Those are, of course, vague and oblique references to the fact that today on the podcast, we're going to be reviewing Shazam! Fury of the Gods. Now, I know what many of you are thinking. Hey, where's Jeff Kanata? Uh, well, Jeff Kanata couldn't be here today due to scheduling reasons, uh, but he is going to be part of our Shazam! Fury of the Gods review. So uh, you can look forward to that. We actually were able to record that early, deliver that early for patrons um, on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash film podcast, where you can get other bonuses, including early access to episodes occasionally, as well as ad-free episodes and exclusive After Darks. And boy, if everything goes according to plan, Devendra, this week we got a really nice, sweet, after dark for folks should be um, fun yeah, yeah should, should be fun if it happens but you know i i like to half jinx it i don't say what it is but i do say i'm excited about it anyway patreon.com slash film podcast today for we got some uh what we've been watching for you uh some weekly plugs and then of course we're going to conclude with our in-depth review of shazam fear of the gods but also got a, a few odds and ends uh assorted emails and news items that we want to discuss um, so let's get into it. You can find mm-hmm. more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Find us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, at thefilmcastpod. Find us on TikTok, at thefilmcast, where we upload new videos every week. Okay. Few pieces of news, few uh, people who have passed away recently, Devendra, that I wanted to mention. Uh, a couple weeks ago, Tom Sizemore passed away. And we didn't talk about it on the podcast. Yeah. Um, the news but... just kind of recently dropped is the thing. Like, yeah, it, it's yeah. confusing. Yeah. Um, but also, uh, Lance Reddick passed away. So let's Man. let's talk about like the, the Lance Reddick one really hit me hard. It blew say. me away because it's so so surprising and so sad. Yeah. I mean, the guy is sixty was sixty years old. Mm-hmm. Um, he looked completely jacked every yeah. single time I every saw, you time in every time every role you see every time you see him in real life you're like that is one of the healthiest people i've ever seen you know and he was out promoting john his appearance in john wick chapter four you know so hmm. uh anyway let's talk about lance reddick first then we'll talk about tom sizemore but lance reddick i just want to say you know i i have loved his roles his performances uh in video games Mm-hmm. Quite frequently, he was Silence in Hor- the Horizon video games. He was Zavala in the Destiny video games. He was a geek. You know, he loved games. He loved talking about games and playing games. And love it. That was amazing. You know. But in addition to that, obviously, he played many roles on TV and uh, on the big screen. Uh, he is going to be in John Wick Chapter Four, and he's awesome in those movies, right? Like, he, yeah, it, it, it's a fundamentally ridiculous role. Um, he plays Charon, the guy who uh, is in charge of the Continental, or not? Not like in, the, concierge, the concierge. The concierge at the Continental, yeah. the front desk person, right? And you know, it's it's the the whole construct is like really out there and outlandish, but like he <laughs> he, he leans in, it. You know, he yeah. leans in exactly. in a way, yeah. and something we don't talk about enough is that this guy is hilarious too. Like he was hilarious. He never shied away from doing like really zany comedy stuff. The uh, the funnier I die. Toys are me short is something that lives rent free <laughs> in my head. Because he was on the Eric Andre show. He did a really yeah. amazing appearance. The, the LeVar Burton show. one yeah. on there, Eric Andre, but also like people were just sharing these little tidbits. Like there was something from, uh, uh, so many, so many like late night shows. Um, the one that really gets me too is corporate. 
We both mm, loved corporate. Yeah, 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 and yeah, he yeah, was yeah, yeah. so good because that role really it it held it used both his uh his sense of like um what do you call it like leadership like he's always a very stoic guy but then he can be really silly at the same time i I think that show just balanced it perfectly he was so good in corporate yeah yeah but the role that i will always remember him for is as lieutenant daniels in the wire sure um that's like my first exposure to him and he was great in that show. I mean, he was always someone who tried to do the right thing. He always stood for justice uh, in an unjust system, and uh, he brought so much gravitas to that role. He was like, he was kind of in, in some ways the moral center mm-hmm. of that show. I know McNulty is theoretically the moral center, but he's also McNulty was like a terrible person, you know. Yeah, um, the, the, Lieutenant Daniel. He was like, the rock, and McNulty <laughs> was the one trying to find his way. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and uh, so. That is the the role that will be indelible for mm-hmm. me. So, have you seen any Bosch? No, I haven't. Because he's very good in Bosch. Yeah, I've kind heard of, he's, I've heard he's great. I've heard he's kind great. of playing the same role, but he is even more like stereotypical police uh, police chief shouting, "Bosch, what are you doing? That's not <laughs> that's not ethical." And yeah. he really has fun with it too. So, man, this this one hurts. Yeah, this I've one heard feels lo- like he's had such a he, he would have had such a huge career ahead of him. Yes. This feels to me on the level of like Gandolfini or Philip Seymour Hoffman. It just I'm I'm still like reeling from yeah. this loss. Yeah, totally. A lot of people yeah. also brought up his performance as Philip Broyles in uh, Fringe. I don't yeah. know how big of a Fringe fan you were, Devendra. I'm a but... big Fringe fan. Yeah, yeah he was yeah. great. He was in Lost. He like everything we all kind of love. Like he will pop up somewhere and uh, just just be awesome. Uh, the thing I was thinking of uh, there's a comedy bang bang skit with him in like this weird tron universe and he just like leans <laughs> mm-hmm. into it mm-hmm. the silliness of it all man yeah. yeah this sucks i agree i agree this one hit really hard and i'm, I'm still uh in shock about it as mm-hmm. well um but yeah tom sizemore passed away recently as well and he's another actor who i want to talk about because there was a time in the 90s davindra uh-huh. whenever there was everywhere. any whenever there's yeah. any action movie that had dudes being dudes Tom Sizemore would be in it. Sure. If you you needed a dude who could scare you with a look, you would, you would cast Tom Sizemore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my favorite Tom Sizemore moment, I'm probably going to make like a a TikTok about this Uh is, uh, in heat. I don't know if you remember heat. Yes. Like in the diner, they're in the diner. Right. And then, uh, like, I think it's, uh, what Wayne grow is like, start. He's like, you know, the, the people are like upset about Wayne grow because Wayne Mm -hmm. grow did some dumb stuff during the high. And then, and then like, an argument begins and then this guy next in the booth next to them looks like he might start to intervene. Yeah. Uh, and then Tom Sizemore just gives him a look. Doesn't even say anything. Just like looks at him in a certain yeah, I, way. I dare you yeah, to interrupt like, us right please now. Please give me, give me an excuse. Give me an excuse. I mean, uh, he played, you know, uh, he was awesome in heat. Um, he was awesome in, uh, Saving Private Ryan. I think he's the one that says the title yeah. of Saving Private Ryan, yeah, if I'm not yeah. mistaken, right? They have like the conversation at the end of the movie, right? And he's the one like bringing yeah. up like, do we do we let him stay or do we bring him? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Saving Private Ryan is the best, you know. Uh, Black <sighs> Hawk Down, Pearl Harbor, Bringing Out the Dead, which we've talked about on the film cast After Dark. Mm-hmm. Um, so many amazing films. And he's just kind of like, this is the guy you don't want to mess with. You know, yeah. this is the guy who you don't want to mess with. Uh, who's like a bit messy, who's a bit messy. And, um, and I guess that, that was his life too. And it's, it's sad. Like he, he struggled with drug addiction. Like there was, there was an abuse uh, thing as well around him. Like mm-hmm. he, he, it, it was a rough life for this guy. And I, I don't know. 
We enjoyed him in the 90s, at least. Yeah. Um, he was uh, convicted of domestic violence against his girlfriend in 2003, yeah. you're referring to. Yeah. It was Heidi um, Fleiss. Yeah, that was the whole big story back then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but agreed. He he definitely had his demons, but I think, like, mm-hmm. for me, in my, like, mental headspace, in my cinematic upbringing, he occupied a really... Sure special place you know because, if you ever want to like feel tough in the setting yeah you think to yourself bring out your inner tom size more to he, to hold your own i guess he was uh, kind of this vision of masculinity which was very frequently toxic you know yes. but but still like a vision of masculinity and uh and i i did really appreciate that he kind of embodied it yeah. in, in some ways he was know? in so. so many bangers in the 90s like point break uh there was an uncredited oh, yeah. role i see but enemy of the state we don't talk yeah, about that movie enough it rules i love devil in the blue state. dress yeah good stuff yeah so anyway and yeah uh he was i think 61 years old when he mm-hmm. passed away in early march and uh uh, Lance Reddick was 60, you know, so the, it, it, these are both actors who feel like they, you know, they could have had decades uh, longer ahead of them in terms of their careers. It's sad that they were taken so young, but yeah, um, wanted to acknowledge them uh, as we record today. Okay, uh, what else is there to discuss? You know, Devendra, before we get to what we've been watching, here's a little bonus topic. All right, so last week we talked about the, was the Oscars like, a week ago, right? Like it was basically like a week ago. Sure, it was a week ago, but it feels like a month ago. It feels like you know the way three time lifetimes have passed since uh, <laughs> since the Oscars. Uh, I don't know if you saw Ashley Graham interview Hugh Grant on the red carpet. I saw I saw bits of this. Yeah, yeah. I I just think it's worth just mentioning real quick before we get to what we've been watching because I think it is a little bit interesting. Uh, let's play a clip from the red carpet interview that Ashley Graham did with Hugh Grant. This is the pre, like, before the ceremony began. Um, what are you most excited to see tonight? To see? Yeah, well, I know that you probably watched a few of the movies. Are you excited to see anybody win? Do you have your hopes up for anyone? Um, not, not, no, no one in particular. Okay, well, what are you wearing tonight, then? Just my suit. Your suit? Who yeah. made your suit? You didn't make it. Um, I can't remember my tailor. That's okay. Yeah. Ta- shout out to the tailor. Yeah. Um, so tell me, what does it feel like to be in Glass Onion? It was such an amazing film. I really loved it. I love a thriller. How fun is it to shoot something like that? Well, I'm barely in it. I'm in it for about three seconds. Yeah, but yeah. still, you showed up and you had fun, right? Uh, almost. Okay. All yeah. right. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much. It was nice to talk to you. Yeah. All right. Back to you guys. Uh, that's actually not, you know, it, it actually was in some parts worse than that. I think like the before, Vanity Fair, thing. the Vanity Fair, like earlier yeah. on, she references, uh, or he references, it's like mm-hmm. Vanity Fair. And then she thinks he's talking about the party. Uh, and the party, the magazine, the publication, <laughs> because they're at the Oscars. Yeah. yeah. That's when, that's when the interview is over basically at that point. But uh, this is brutal to listen to because Devendra, you and I, we've both been there. Yeah, right? yeah. We've both been there where we you, are you interviewing know, You some... know when you've lost the person. <laughs> you know it. And I remember for me, the first thing when I lost somebody was Matthew Vaughn at the first Comic-Con I went to with us. And it's just kind of a dick. I was like, okay. I mean, thank you, Matthew Vaughn, for talking to me about Kick-Ass. But yeah, yeah, it happens. Yeah, it, it happens where like, what we're describing is Devinder and I have both interviewed many people during our mm-hmm. illustrious careers online. And 
sometimes you get an interviewee who just does not want to be there, right? Yeah. And I have great sympathy for them. You know, they're yeah, doing... it's a tiring process. It's a tiring process because they're talking to like 15 people in one day. It's the same questions over and over again. They need to seem excited all the time. So I'm not, I don't think like, I, I'm not of the opinion that like, you know, how dare Hugh Grant? Like, he, he, this is his job to look good and blah, blah, blah. You know, mm-hmm. because it's hard, it's hard for them to, who knows what the process was to get him on that mic. Maybe some producer grabbed him physically. and That's because like, they're walking down the carpet, right? Yeah, and, and was like, hey, to Hugh, grab Hugh others, Grant, yeah. come do an interview. And he's like, I really don't want to. And they're like, come on, it's just 60 seconds. I, I would you know, love like, to see the pre, the pre, the, the pre, like, the, the stuff right. What is the pre yeah. interview? Right, exactly. Um, and so it's hard for, it's, it's basically a terrible system that both, Mm-hmm. you know interviewer and interviewer are trapped in interviewee are trapped in I'm, i have sympathy for them both yeah um but it it does suck uh when you have a mismatch not only culturally but also like mm-hmm. of what we're trying to do you know ashley graham's there she's like hey i'm here to provide some fluffy inconsequential he is not details. throwing her any bone. he's giving her nothing, nothing. he's giving her nothing and he's he knows what he's doing too. Like I feel like the part of it, like sometimes people <laughs> like to have fun with yeah. you because, like, oh, look at you, little interview troll. Like, oh, I'm I'm just gonna poke fun of you. Um, I think the Vanity Fair thing showed like he was basically it was very demeaning what he was doing to the the interviewer as mm-hmm. well. Like it's very it's very snobbish. It's a whole thing. Like this this brings to mind like there was the reports about um, Hugh Grant on the set of uh, Dungeons and Dragons, right? Mm. Like he had a huge tantrum against somebody who he he says he thought it was like an executive or somebody working i don't know related to the film but it turns out it was a nice local woman he says but who cares maybe just mm. don't don't have these weird freakouts. and uh, there have been reports of this a lot around him mm, yeah, on yeah, set. Yeah. so it's like man i don't i don't know about hugh grant yeah okay. so he says i did a christian bail he yeah. said to total film magazine uh on the set of dungeons and dragons according to him uh, where he says, quote, I lost my t- my temper with a woman in my eyeline. I assumed she was some executive from the studio who should have known better. Mm-hmm. Then it turns out she's an extremely light, nice local woman who is the chaperone of the young girl. Terrible. A lot of groveling. And She quote. ruined his eyeline on Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> How dare she? Yeah, yeah. So you're you're definitely on Ashley Graham's side on this one. No, I mean most here. definitely. Like also, <laughs> but this whole interview just sounds like, yeah, I've I've dealt with people like this. And sometimes I like to have fun with them too. It's like, oh. Oh, this is what you're giving me? Okay, I'm going to swing something <laughs> back to you. I'm reminded of when um, there was a CES where I had I was lucky enough to like chat with, uh, what's his face? Uh, John McAfee. And that interview was terrifying. Mm-hmm. Because this was, mm-hmm. John McAfee, by that point, we knew kind of a wild guy. He was the guy who was like on the run in South America, basically evading the law in some countries, may or may not have killed a neighbor like a whole crazy, like a part of like a big drug running thing. He was, he was like promoting a startup. Yeah. yeah. And he was there. He's like, also I'm going to talk about my, my run for presidency too. So this must've been like 2016. And it was just a lot of me being like, why, why are you like vetting? Like, what are you talking about with this company? Why do you want to run for president? It's a lot of me just really pushing back on him. And he kept pushing back on me. And he's a very angry Looking man, you don't want that's like Tom Sizemore eyes, you know, looking mm, yeah. at you. Good callback. Good callback. At the sh- shaking his hand, I felt like, oh, I don't, I don't know what I'm dealing with here. So I left there really quickly after that interview. But it, it does happen, and I do not feel much sympathy for Hugh Grant here. Indeed, uh, since we're sharing bad interview stories, I think, <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll say in in an interview like that, uh-huh. um, it's. In an interview like the Hugh Grant interview or even the John McAfee interview. it's live. You can't run away from it. You can't run away. I mean, like, 
it's actually not that bad because those kinds of interviews are so bad. Mm-hmm. Nobody they, expects much. Well, they go viral. They go viral. And it's like, it becomes a story in and of itself, which mm-hmm. is like kind of interesting, you know, like people have taken sides, you know, some people are like pro Ashley Graham. Some people are pro Hugh Grant on this whole situation, like, you know, in this whole situation. And so uh, I think Hugh Grant, in my opinion, both Hugh Grant and Ashley Graham will both get some notoriety as a result of this interview. I, I and guess. And therefore, it's, it's a whole like yeah, life yeah. philosophy but, thing for me. Yeah. But Devendra, but Devendra, here's what I'm gonna say. Uh huh. I think that the even worse interview is ones that are like the person is barely there. It's not even like they're like Hugh Grant. I think is like almost trying to be terrible in that uh-huh. interview. Right? Oh, absolutely. But yeah. but the worst is like I think I once interviewed Sam Rockwell. Uh. I don't remember if it was, was it for Moon? of the, I don't even remember what movie it was. Yeah. Maybe it was for Iron Man 2. Uh, it was probably for Iron Man 2. I once interviewed Sam Rockwell and he literally sounded like he had just woken up. When oh, we absolutely. Had, <laughs> well, that, that happens it was all a, the time. It was, fo- it was a phone interview, which are like, in my yeah, opinion, yeah. really bad. Like, I yep. don't, I try not to do phone interviews these days. At least now we have Zoom, at least, so you can like see the person. <laughs> you can confirm they're awake. You can confirm they're awake. But yeah, it sounded like he just woken up. Uh huh. And it's like, oh, you know, he's barely showing up. You know, so that, those are the worst because this is not. I'm not even going to get a viral moment out of this. This is just like a waste of both of our time. It's times, just you know nothing. Um, that happened to me. You know, shout out to John Cho. I love John Cho, but I did an in-person <laughs> interview with him in New York, and he absolutely showed up an hour late. Clearly, just jumped out of bed. Like clearly mm-hmm. just jumped out of bed. Yeah, like, okay. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter really, but yeah, at least he gave me a good interview, you know, yeah, like everybody's yeah. late sometimes. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. The worst is when they jump out of bed and then they just like, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, they, 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 there's nothing, you know, they, they sound tired. They sound like they mm-hmm. haven't had their coffee yet. And mm-hmm. again, my sympathy is with, I'm not, I'm not saying, Hey, how dare these people not give me good answers. I don't feel that way. I feel like, we're wow, just trying to have a conversation, this man. Is a, this is a bad system. Yeah. This is the, the system has failed us both. I'm trying to promote the thing you are in. <laughs> I'm trying to help you. <laughs> exactly right. So anyway, man, uh, I, I, you know Ashley Graham. She seems to have taken it quite well. I hope, yes, like, yeah. she's doing okay with it. But I thought it was a an interesting viral moment that we both have had some level of experience with as well it's It's just not on a national stage in front of millions of people Mm -hmm. so i feel like that whole thing like being on the oscars live feed is just terrifying because yeah yeah, any mistake will go viral uh hopefully it's not your fault and i don't really think this was most this was much her fault indeed indeed all right well those are a few pieces of film news this week we're gonna take a break we're gonna talk about a sponsor and we'll be right back with what we've been watching stick around Hey, I just want to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor, FastGrowingTrees.com. Breathe some life into your own backyard with FastGrowingTrees.com this spring. That's what I did. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm using FastGrowingTrees.com to add some life. From shade to fresh fruit to privacy and natural beauty, you can let FastGrowingTrees.com help you plant your dream garden with their expert advice and fast, reliable shipping. Now, I say I did it. I handed this over to my wife. I said, check out fastgrowingtrees.com. We, she, you know, she loves uh, making things beautiful in our yard. And also, she loves adding a little extra privacy, like I said. Fastgrowingtrees.com's plant experts, well, they curate thousands of easy-to-grow plant, shrub, and tree varieties for your unique climate. Meyer lemons to evergreens to everything in between. Now, this is key to why I referred my wife to this site because 
we, we're new to Colorado. We don't know this environment. We don't know what grows here. They've got those plant experts to make sure we're getting what's going to live, what's going to thrive in our yard. Happy plants, happy home, right? But sometimes it's hard to know which plants will do the best. Well, that's why you go to fastgrowingtrees.com because you get those customized recommendations based on your specific needs. Plus, as I said, their plant experts are always available to help keep your plants growing healthy through the season and beyond. No more waiting in long lines, hauling heavy plants around with fastgrowingtrees.com. You order online. It's so easy. And your plants arrive at your door in just a few days. We did it. We've already added to our yard. It's awesome. And so, so easy. And with Fast Growing Trees 30-day alive and thrive guarantee, you know everything will look great fresh out of the box. Join over 1.5 million happy Fast Growing Trees customers. Go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash filmcast right now to get 15% off your entire order. That's 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. All right, Devendra, uh, let's start with you this week. What have you been watching this week? Sure. I got to check out the first few episodes of Swarm, the new uh, Donald Glover series co-created by Janine Neighbors. It's on, uh, it's on Amazon Prime. And this show is wild. And I'm really digging it. It uh, it starts yeah, so, Dominic. So, yeah, so Dominic Fishback. So let's say mm-hmm. we are going to give away the premise for Swarm. Yes. If and Je- I won't if spoil Kanata, many of the things in the first yeah. episode. If yeah. Jeff Kanata were here, he would say <laughs> uh-huh. that, hey, this is a show where you got to go in completely cold. It's so surprising. You have an amazing experience if you don't know anything about it. Okay, mm-hmm. that's it's hard. It's hard to go in cold because everyone's talking about. It on, yeah, that's on it. Twitter we are going everywhere. to give away the premise. So if you mm-hmm. don't want to know the premise of Swarm streaming right now on Prime Video. Skip forward by a couple minutes, but uh, but yes, it, it, it is a, sh- a show where if you don't know anything about it, it is shocking. So here here comes the premise. But anyway, Devendra, go ahead. What were you going to say? Sure. Here's the premise. Uh, Dominic Fishback stars as Dre. Um, she's a girl who is very, very into a pop star called Nyjah. She's a super fan. You know, she, she uh, basically co-runs a Twitter account from a super fan account. Her life kind of goes off the rails. In the first episode, like things go yeah. bad for her and she ends up traveling around the country, um, murdering people left and right, like people who murdering people he, who don't like Nyjah, who don't like Nyjah or have like done her a sister wrong too. like that's a whole thing. Chloe Bailey plays her sister. Um, very. This is a very strange show. Uh, somebody had tweeted. It is wild that uh, uh, Poker Face, which is about a lady going around the country, driving around the country. To to you know solve murders solving solving murders versus yeah. like this is a reverse Somebody, poker face it's a woman going around committing murders basically. committing murders and it's it is meant to be an exploration of uh, of fandom and dark fandom and Dre as a character also seems like somebody who is you know stuck like developmentally she has a bit of a lot of arrested development in that she she doesn't seem like fully an adult when we meet her and um, her life just like gets increasingly crazy but the show kind of turns into a sort of like Dexter type of thing too. Like I, I hear it really does uh, coalesce towards the end around what it's trying to say around fandom. Um, three episodes in, it just feels like she's going on different adventures every episode, but it feels like 
an extended Atlanta episode. And it yeah, has that like it really does. Yeah. And Donald Glover quality. directed some of mm-hmm. the episodes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I agree. It definitely feels like Atlanta. Uh, and, and we should say that like, it was inspired. Mm-hmm. Apparently the show swarm on prime video was inspired by two things. Number one, there was a fake story, but like people didn't know it was fake at the time mm-hmm. that somebody like Nyjah in the show swarm is heavily inspired by Beyonce. Yeah. And the show actually begins every episode by saying, this is not a work of fiction. Any (laughs) resemblance to actual people is intentional. It's very funny. Um, But she's, it's heavily inspired by Beyonce. Like there's very similar albums and uh, events in both Nyjia and Beyonce's life that are analogs. Um, But apparently Swarm was inspired by two separate things. Number one, a fake story that came out that a woman had killed herself after listening to Lemonade. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the idea of like, wow, the fandom was so strong, and they were so upset by that album that they they off themselves, and uh, and secondarily, like a comment about like a tweet a tweet mm-hmm. about how um, there's very few black women serial killers on screen. Like, why why is it that black women always have to be you know psychiatrists or yeah. the best we friend? Need or equality whatever? in all things. Yeah, yes. bl- black women can be serial killers too, and so um, this show kind of takes both of those ideas and runs with them uh i kind of love it like i feel like a lot of atlanta episodes are also based on like i heard this tweet about this this thing <laughs> let's just make an episode about yeah, it and yeah. generally the show does a great job with that i'm i'm just really having fun with this uh i started watching this on my own uh, i think my wife will enjoy this uh, a lot too a lot of really interesting guest stars too who i think are also like commenting on the celebrity industry in many ways yeah, too yeah. like in the i think it's the second episode paris jackson appears that's my, michael jackson's daughter it's a whole thing and the, yep. the things she's commenting on uh she's playing a character called Haley. um there's a lot there's a lot going on in the show i think it's a lot of fun but you have to be i think you have to have a good stomach because it is like as you know dre is somebody who will straight up murder somebody at the drop of a hat she does not have like a sense of uh you know it seems like a sense of empathy really yeah uh it's brutal and vicious but the thing is the situations are so ridiculous Mm -hmm. it compels me though yeah yeah the the, when the violence happens it's it's actually very funny to me you know it's Mm -hmm. not like i don't feel like um horrified by it i'm just like usually i'm just laughing when something like terrible terrible it's kind of funny there's kind of a feminist bent early on too uh i'm not that doesn't always stick around but it it is it does feel like somebody who is kind of taking back control of her life and in situations where you know maybe she would have been victimized or something. So it it is fascinating. That's all I'll say. Like I I, I don't agree with Dre. I don't support all of Dre's choices. She's not Megan, <laughs> yeah. you know. But I I think it is really interesting and fun to watch. I think it's a great show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's super provocative, and it it's it's basically in my opinion a thought exercise of like yeah. we we have seen online you know actually i wanted to bring this up divindra um i don't know if you saw ao scott is retiring i um, saw that yeah he, or he's retiring from reviewing movies he is yeah, he's going now, back to books he started going, books. he started in yeah. books he's going back to books and he gave a kind of exit interview at the new york times that uh i've been thinking about a lot um and here's what he says uh about modern fandom he says quote i'm not a fan of modern fandom 
This isn't only because I've been swarmed on Twitter by angry devotees of Marvel and DC, and more recently, Top Gun Maverick and everything everywhere all at once. It's more that the behavior of these social media hordes represents an anti-democratic, anti-intellectual mindset that is harmful to the cause of art and antithetical to the spirit of movies. Fan culture is rooted in conformity, obedience, group identity, and mob behavior. And its rise mirrors and models the spread of intolerant, authoritarian, aggressive tendencies in our politics and in our communal life, end quote. Uh, Been thinking about that a lot. First of all, very sad that like Mm -hmm. people who watched everything everywhere all at once felt the need to mob A.O. Scott. Um, A movie that kind of preaches understanding and love. Um, Absolutely. It's weird. I I have heard reports of this. I have not seen this behavior among people, but I'm sure it's happened. I've to seen some glimpses people. of it. I've seen. Yeah. I've seen enough to know that it's real. You know, mm-hmm. like I've seen like, um, it's it's intense out there. Pe- people feel strongly that these movies represent part of who they are, and if you sure. don't like them, you don't like them. And that is the dynamic that we see in TV shows like Swarm, right? Mm-hmm. Where and and what Swarm asks is, a lot of these people evince uh obviously like like if you looked at it from the outside it looks like psychotic behavior online yeah like and the question that is asked by the show swarm is what if it actually was psychotic right like (laughs) let's just take it to to its logical conclusion what if it actually like people are doxing people who don't like you didn't like god of war so let's dox you like that is Mm -hmm. that is terrifying behavior like what if we actually made the behavior more extreme that swarm, and I, it's fascinating because it, in some ways it holds a mirror up to modern fandom, and I think it's a good thing to look at. Yeah, it's a yeah. good thing I, to I, see. I cannot wait to see like where it goes because I think the conclusion is really going to seal the deal on the show for me. But I have to say, it, it is also coming at a weird time, Dave. I'm sure you saw that story about the uh, there was a stalker of a podcaster in the Seattle area who ended oh, yeah. up, yeah, uh, murdering the po- her and her husband and shooting himself, and it's it's a whole thing, and that that is another like lens of this whole fandom thing as well that's not new but it is fascinating it's like terrifying it's terrifying yeah. this 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 podcaster got murdered by mm-hmm. a fan no more than 20 miles away from where i'm sitting right now yeah as i'm recording this you know and so they they're a podcaster and this fan got obsessed with them and then murdered her and her husband and i think killed himself is mm-hmm. my understanding and it's just like and the, the person like, and tried the person, to get help the too. Did and everything the cops right. Were so the person slow. did everything Man. right. They they like reported it to the cops. They kept track of everything. They reported it. To, they did everything right, and and society could not protect protect this podcaster. And it's Ugh. like wow, like yeah, um, it's it's a really scary world out there. You know, I'm asking. I ask myself like, what would I have done in that situation? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But like clearly, what this person does, which is they did everything right, that wasn't enough. Anyway, okay, yeah. upsetting yeah. story. Yep to think about but um uh and but these are the thoughts that are stirred up when you watch swarm on prime video which again i i agree i think it's really worth checking out it's really Mm -hmm. good so have you seen um, the latest season of atlanta no i haven't i i I dropped off halfway Mm -hmm. through season three i heard season four is awesome yeah so like it's very i want to get back to season four and like do finally finish that show Mm -hmm. this show just reminds me of what i love so much about atlanta right right. it is very it's funny and irreverent and says things it's like absurdist it's like absurdist it's really well made it like compositionally it's beautiful like um but yeah season three really lost me i have to say 
It, it was, was fun, but it was like a departure for them, and they're basically back in America now, yeah. So, yeah, so it all kind of works better. I, I've yeah. heard season four is a masterpiece. I, mm -hmm. I, I can't wait to get back to Atlanta. Anyway, Swarm on Prime Video. That's what Devinder Hardawar has been watching this week. Uh, okay, I watched a few things. I'll talk about a couple of them. Let's talk about the bad one first. <laughs> let's, do, let's do a what we've been watching sandwich, where you get a good thing, a bad thing, and sure, a good thing. Sure, sure. Okay? So I watched a documentary that is uh, at the top of the TV charts. It's called MH370, The Flight That Disappeared. Uh, have you heard of this? Uh, I, I have not heard of this, but apparently it, it's very popular. It's okay. like one of the top five shows on Netflix for the last uh, okay, couple weeks. Okay, man. Yeah. Like, uh, the Netflix stuff, you, you could make up a, a TV show, right? And just tell me, <laughs> this is the most popular thing on Netflix right now. All I could do is nod. Like, sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've never, mm -hmm. literally never heard of that in my <laughs> life, but every, millions of people have seen it. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Malaysia Flight 370 yeah. vanished. Uh, it is one of the only flights that vanished, where it just, like, kind of vanished off the face of the earth and... Mm -hmm. Uh, for a long time, people didn't know what happened to it. This was in March of 2014. Yep. And this is a three-part documentary that tries to illustrate or tries to answer the question, what happened, by, by putting forward several theories about what might have happened. Um, now, look, Devendra, here on the Filmcast... Uh, I try to be kind to, uh -huh. to movies, especially to documentaries. It's a miracle when anything is made. Yeah, It's a miracle when anything's made. It's impressive when anything's made, especially documentaries, which until very recently, you know, documentaries uh, until very recently were like, these were um, passion projects. Like, mm -hmm. no one's getting rich off documentaries. They required um, work. We, required, all, we all went to the theater to see Murder Ball. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> Years of work. Yes, exactly. Wow, Devinder, nice, nice callback. That, 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 for me, that I, was the I went to point. a theater. I went to a yeah. theater to go see Murderball. That is correct. I went that to the tiny a... Northampton Arts Theater to see Murderball. That is yeah. a thing that I did. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, making documentaries, you, you know, like it, it's hard to make any movies. It's really hard to make documentaries because there's less money in it in general. Um, so I try not to uh, slag off any documentaries mm -hmm. or any movies in general. Like I, people have asked about like my letterbox ratings i always start every letterbox rating at two and a half stars sure no matter how fair. bad it is because mm -hmm. it's like you got a movie complete uh <laughs> you made a movie so it's like you, you two and a half stars just for accomplishing that and then i may add or subtract depending on like how good or bad it is but this is a documentary that i have to say is maddening it is <laughs> it is maddening and i would argue borderline irresponsible man um, because in my opinion, what this documentary does is it presents a lot of different uh, theories, many of which are conspiracy theories mm -hmm. about what might have happened here. And then it, it, it will show like one person saying like, maybe the Russians hijacked it. Maybe this happened. And then it will have another person saying, yeah, I don't really think that's true. And like, that's how the, the movie or the show, the documentary yeah. handles yeah. truth. And it's like, no, this is... This is really bad. Like, if you think, if you as the documentarian think that person is full of shit, you should say, you should present the facts in a mm -hmm. way to make that clear. But the documentary does not do that. There's many people who watch this and they are less clear on what yeah. happened than, than before they watched the documentary. Does, like, does this one do the reenactments and stuff too? Or is it, it does reenactments of heads? every theory, no matter how ridiculous. That's the mm. thing. It's like when you do the reenactment, people are like, oh yeah, that could have happened. Despite how implausible the actual reenactment might have been, 
I, I feel like this is the logical end of like the the criticisms around Errol, Errol Morris too, right? When people were like the line between you know mm-hmm. dramatization and accuracy mm-hmm. and truth telling like seems to be getting a little blurred here in the pursuit of making a good show. I think I think um, that's fair, yeah. but I, I think in Errol Morris's movies, it's very rare mm-hmm. that you don't know what Errol Morris's position on the facts yeah, are. Yeah, it's very he, rare. He's usually grounded in in truth as much as he can find. Yeah, yeah. He presents it in such a way that if somebody is saying bullshit. Mm-hmm. It's like very obvious that that person's full of shit. Like it's it, it will it'll be like he'll present someone saying some stupid thing, and then he'll yeah. say like, "Here's five experts definitively debunking like why that person said that." Yeah. You know, like except it, when he de- made those Theranos ads, uh, not his brightest day, <laughs> not his finest hour. Okay, but to be fair, those were supposed to be documentaries. But yes, uh-huh. I, I um, know, I know. It's just like this yeah. is what this is what we're criticizing, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Fair, fair enough, fair enough. But uh, but anyway. I, this, if you are hoping to get a better understanding of what happened to Malaysia Airlines Flight 370, <laughs> do not watch this documentary. It will. It, it's basically. It reminded me of Steve Bannon's approach to media, which is flood the zone with shit. Like, right, right. There's right. just like a bunch of stuff in here that's like completely nonsensical, and and it presents virtually everyone as credible. That's mm-hmm. the problem. That's my big problem. Is like, yeah, this is maybe, a made for Netflix documentary, right? Yeah, it's yes, it's like maybe this person's right, maybe this person's mm-hmm. right. You know what it reminded me of? Did you ever see Room Two Thirty Seven? Yeah, see that yeah, yeah, yeah. So did not did not like it. Okay, to be honest, I yeah. loved Room Two Thirty Seven, but it basically takes the Room Two Thirty Seven <laughs> approach to present. So Room Two Thirty Seven, for those who don't know, is about Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, and it basically has I think five or six people. Mm-hmm. doing voiceover on scenes from The Shining, talking about their wild theories about what happened in The Shining. Like, that's that's what the whole movie is. That's the, that's the whole thing, yeah. And at the end of the day, the, the movie basically takes no position on, like, <laughs> who's right, who's wrong, what's valid, what's not valid. At the end of the day, I'm left asking, so what? why did I do this? <laughs> why did I watch any of this? That yeah. is fine uh-huh. for a movie like Room 237, where yeah, the, yeah. the stakes are... Hey, uh, are you a respected film critic on Twitter? You know, like it is not okay when there's people who have a- who've actually had loved mm-hmm. ones vanish or die on this flight. This is a thing. Like, I can't imagine being somebody who lost someone in flight two thirty seven or uh, flight um, uh, three seven zero, mm-hmm. watching this documentary and just watching this utter nonsense uh, be reenacted and giving airtime. It's it's kind of unconscionable so I, I feel like the netflix documentaries in general like have not been very strong right if it's made for netflix and maybe i I don't know the story here but it seems like sometimes people are contracted to make a thing like they pitch a thing yeah netflix I, funds it from the beginning and it it feels like an incomplete book report i've kind of encountered this in a lot of netflix documentaries where it feels like they're diluting the art form basically but, but it's feel like I could have seen this on YouTube. You I know, would I've say, seen better yeah, produced YouTube they're, things. They are hit or miss to enjoy. There's a wide yeah. spectrum of quality, and yeah, um, I, I think I talked uh, recently about a piece in Vulture about how Netflix has completely transformed the documentary space, and how yeah, yeah. you know, uh, um, it's not too long ago, 10, 15 years ago, uh, there there was not a thing where like. 50 million people watch documentary. Like that was just right, never right, a thing right. that ever happened. Right. And so now there's like money, there's eyes in it. And the industry is trying to catch up. It's trying to catch up with this money, this interest. And, um, and so as a result, you might have a few things that are a little bit weaker. I mm-hmm. thought uh, MH370, the flight that disappeared was a little bit weaker. One of the weaker ones. 
and I thought it was kind of irresponsible, and that's why I'm spending a lot of time saying you should <laughs> do, watch. Do it. not watch. Do not watch. Yeah. Um, and is there a good one? Like we don't, we don't actually know what happened, right? It's all conjecture at this point. It's all conjecture at this point. I think that uh, I do think that there's one thing that MH370 does. The flight, the sorry, the the documentary does do well, which is you get to hear from the families of the people who've disappeared. Like that, mm-hmm. that is very valuable, and that is the one redeeming factor of this that makes it not a complete waste of time. Um, but yeah, I didn't like it at all, and I wouldn't recommend it. And there's, I, I'm gonna have to do some research into what I actually would recommend. But like, this ain't it. This mm-hmm. ain't it. So, okay. Uh, so that's MH370, the flight that disappeared on Netflix. Did not like it. Uh, I also had a chance to watch Accident Man, uh, Hitman's Holiday, or it's the, it's the sequel to Accident Man, Accident Man One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, why did I watch Accident Man? Hitman's Holiday. Do you know why because I watched this movie? Scott Atkins, baby. Yeah. It's because on a recent episode of the Filmcast After Dark, we discussed Vulture's Stunt Awards. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the awards went to a... Uh, one of the awards was Best Fight, uh, which is awarded to a hand-to-hand combat sequence that does not involve guns, though it can involve other weapons. The nominees were Accident Man, uh, Accident Man Hitman's Holiday, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Lost Bullet 2, RRR or Prey. And the winner was Accident Man, Hitman's Holiday. Uh, now, I have now watched Accident Man, Hitman's Holiday. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, I don't agree that that should have won. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think literally like RRR, the opening fight scene with, with Ram, like going up against all those guys. Um, the fanny pack fight scene, you know, Prey's final fight scene. Yeah. Like all those were... I've seen Lost Bullet. That is a pretty great fight scene too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um so I don't I like those other fight scenes better, but this is still a really good fight scene. And Accident Man Hitman's Holiday is basically it's not a good movie, in my opinion. It is more of a fight scene delivery mechanism than it is a movie. You Which know is what, what Scott the Atkins movies are tend to be known for, like his directed to, to video stuff. So yeah, sure. It's fine. Uh, I mean, how, what what do you know about Scott Atkins? I've heard a lot about Scott Atkins, you know? Mm-hmm. I haven't seen very many of his movies. Oh really? Okay. Um but I've heard uh I've heard he's he's in John Wick chapter four and he's great in it. He's in John Wick Chapter Four. Um it kind of started with a Universal Soldier movie. I believe it was Universal Soldier, Day of Reckoning, um, where people started paying attention to this guy, and uh that was directed by John Hyams or Hams, I, I don't know how you pronounce that. Um but I think he like, was he was he also the guy that got the uh, he, he was also in the Born Ultimatum. Um, but I guess I don't know if he was uh a big character in that he was agent Kylie in the born ultimatum. I don't, um, I don't, yeah, I don't remember which one he was in ultimatum, but yeah, he, he has basically been in a lot of these things and, you know, been a lot of like really, um, good direct video stuff like hard target two. There's a hard target. Mm, two. I see. I see. I see. I see. You know, well, I, I think he's awesome. Like I think, yeah, he will. I, I don't think he's a household name yet. But I think he will be one day. You know what I'm Ac- saying? Action like, fans. I, I feel like so he is he's kind of been on the verge for a decade. Yeah, and that's why yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. are you relegated to just being the action fan, you know, guy, or will you ever hit mainstream? Uh I, like physically, like I've seen a lot of his fight scenes. He's also in this movie Avengement. He started in that. I heard Avengement's great. I'm I'm yeah. gonna try to check that movie out too. But yeah, I mean, he is really talented, he's really good looking. Mm-hmm. And it's like I feel like this day, this guy's day is coming anytime soon, and may, maybe John Wick chapter, maybe we're gonna look back on this moment that we're recording this podcast, mm-hmm. Devendra, as the pre Scott Atkins breaking out in a mess. His role as Killer, 
in John Wick Chapter Four. Maybe he's could, huge. Could I, we, neither Devinder yeah. or I have seen John Wick Chapter Four, so like maybe he is huge in that. But mm-hmm. anyway, um, you, you know, the Accident Man Hitman's Holiday, like it's called Accident. I haven't seen Accident Man One, <laughs> but my understanding is he's called Accident Man because he stages these elaborate accidents yeah, yeah, to yeah. kill people. He, um, he is like the guy in the Hitman games. Yes, he's he yes, always he's has to do that. He's Agent yeah. Forty Seven from the uh-huh. Hitman games, right? And, uh, and, but yeah, the story in Accident Man Hitman's Holiday is about as good as a story in like a Street Fighter video <laughs> game. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not so like excellent. It's okay. Not, it's, or yeah. Tekken. You know, like uh-huh. it's how good a story is is in Tekken. But there are I don't know six, seven great hand to hand fight sequences hell yeah in this in this in this movie i mean i'm thinking back to the glory days of like hong kong action the the, the plots and stories in a lot of those movies do not really hold up correct but what, what correct. you get is some sick ass fight scenes and yeah i'm totally fine with that and there are some really great fight scenes in this movie. you know some of them aren't great but some but it's like hey you, mm-hmm. i trust that you're watching two actual people do this thing i and it's what's special is that you know that it's actually scott atkins doing it you know like yeah, yeah. it's not so maybe he had a stunt double but he, for a lot of the scenes it looks like it's actually him i mean yeah um, he is a guy who basically started as like a stunt guy too like so he's been doing this uh, for a while yeah. a lot of it is shot very respectfully what i mean by that is it's shot in such a way to highlight mm-hmm. how much work went into these stunts um and the fight scene that did win is is, is a really solid fight like my wife and I were watching the movie together and we're like, I was like, yeah, I don't, I, I know this movie got best fight, but I don't know which fight it was. And then when the fight started, we're like, oh, it's this one. Like, that, that's the this one. is, this yeah. is the one that's the good one, right? Like, uh-huh. um, there is one fight that is like better than all the other ones. And that's the one that won best fight. It's very good. Um, but, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I, um, if you want some fun, ridiculous, over the top plotting and fight scenes, I think you could do a lot worse than Accident Man, Hitman's Holiday. By the way, the movie is streaming right now on Hulu. And I think Scott Atkins, if he's not going to become a household name soon, he should be. Like he is. There's a lot of stuff to catch up on with him, but yeah. He yeah. is, you know, he has it. He has the goods, in my opinion. So, uh, and I hope he he finds movies that are worthy of his talent. So I, I'm really it's, impressed by him. It's getting rough too, because like, I don't, I feel like I've been waiting for him to really take off uh, since like 2012, you know, like since the early 2010s. And, these guys are getting older, man. It, it just kind of stinks. Like between him and Donnie Yen, Donnie Yen's also in John Wick 4. And it's like, man, I, I want Donnie, Donnie Yen to at least have a big American hit at some point, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, dude, he was in Rogue One. Okay. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that was a pretty big deal. That was pretty big. And he, was, but, he was great in that know. movie too. So anyway. I feel like that character deserved more. He seems like he's playing a much more central role in John Wick 4. So well, I'm down I, with that. I, I think that. You know, Devendra, you and I are shaped by our experience in the 80s and 90s where mm-hmm. it was like the dream of every like Hong Kong action star to break into America, to yeah, break into yeah. the American film industry. Um, so you have like John Woo and Jackie Chan like making it big in the United States. Chai and Fat did a couple. Yeah, you know, Chai and Fat. But like, but like it just seems like that is just not really a thing anymore. It's it seems like that's for a variety of reasons. Number one, China's film industry is huge now. It mm-hmm. was not back in the day or it was not it was not at the same level like american movies did huge business in china in the 90s and aughts and now china barely will let these movies in you know like it's it's um things have changed a lot and yeah yeah and and i think like the idea of like oh donnie yen having like a big career in the u.s i i don't know i mean i would like to see i don't think his career depends on it the counterpoint to what i just said is michelle Mm -hmm. yo who yeah 
who appeared in Crazy Rich Asians in 2018. She, and she then, is a lead character in the Star Trek show. Right, lead does, character in Star Trek show. And there. Then, yeah, yeah. But, you know, uh, basically I'm saying I don't know what Jackie Chan and Donnie Yen and John Woo even really want right now. You know, I don't know if they want to, like, make it big in the U.S. film industry anymore. Like, maybe I, they have I'm other not saying they need to, but I would I would love for Donnie Yen to be a household name just for, mm-hmm. like, the, the big towns. Like, I, I feel like a lot of people know who Jet Li is, and Jet Li had that moment. You yeah, know, it kind of yeah. worked out the, well the, for him. That's another great example. Yeah, Jet mm-hmm. Li, yeah. So, um, okay. Well, anyway, those are a few things I've been watching. Let's take a break for some sponsors. We'll be back with more here on the Filmcast. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. All right, let's get to weekly plugs. Weekly plugs, the part of the show each week where we plug something else we've been making. I wanted to plug an interview I did with the Daniels a year ago. Uh, I interviewed the Daniels for Culturally Relevant Podcast a year ago, and I transcribed that interview. For those of you who hate, for for those listeners out there who hate listening to conversations, which I know is so many people uh, who are listening to this right now, uh, you can now read my interview with the Daniels over on my free newsletter, absolutely free to subscribe. It's called Decoding Everything. Check it out at decodingeverything.com. Um, it's a great interview. I think it's a great interview. A lot of film cast tidbits in there too. Nice. Uh, a lot of a lot of references to the film cast because, as folks know, uh, the Daniels used to listen to the film cast. Uh, so check that out over at decodingeverything.com. Um, subscribe today. It's completely free, and I think uh, it's one of my favorite interviews that I've ever done. Devinder Hardwar. Yeah. Speaking of terrible interviews, you know, uh-huh. earlier, this is not that. You know, this is the opposite of that. Okay. Devinder Hardwar, uh, what's your weekly plug? Sure. I want to point to the latest episode of the Engadget podcast. Uh, we talked about Silicon Valley Bank and that whole disaster, which kind of just was all over the news last week. Um, I, I'm not a finance guy. I'm not good with numbers. Uh, so we brought on Alex Wilhelm, uh, editor-in-chief of TechCrunch Plus, to kind of break that down for us. Um, it's a really good conversation. And if you are confused by all this stuff and you want to know why everybody's talking about SVB and why all these other banks are failing, you should take a listen. It's pretty informative. Of course, I want to plug our podcast, uh, patreon.com slash film podcast, how you can support the show, make sure it keeps going. Uh, we did uh, recaps of Poker Face Season 1 and Last of Us Season 1 recently on an episode of The After Dark. And this week, we have something really special in store that I can't say what it is because I don't want to jinx it. But patreon.com slash film podcast, where you can sign up for ad-free episodes and exclusive After Darks. Of course, we never want anyone to donate if it in any way causes you financial hardship. There's a very easy way to support us. Leaving a review every week, thousands, tens of thousands of people listening to this, listening to me speak right now. Enjoy this podcast. Don't leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Um, and I'm here to tell you, you can stop that trend today by simply going to Apple Podcasts or wherever you, leave your, you listen to your podcast. Leaving a star rating or a review, it literally takes five seconds. It's something you can easily do that will help us out. I hope you'll consider it. Or just share about us on social media. That would also help. All right. That's going to bring us to our review of Shazam! The Fury of the Gods featuring Jeff Kanata. 
I'm an idiot. It's showtime! I don't deserve these powers, if I'm being honest. Like, what am I even contributing? Ow! There's already a superhero with a red suit with a lightning bolt on it. Aquaman is literally huge and he's so manly. And Batman is so cool. And I'm just me. I feel like a fraud. It doesn't matter. Um, anyway, the wizard gave me superpowers. And then everybody got superpowers. Where's everyone going? To fight crime? Welcome to the Filmcast's review of Shazam! Fury of the Gods. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. The film continues the story of teenage Billy Batson, who upon reciting the magic word Shazam, is transformed into his adult superhero alter ego, Shazam. End quote. You said it three times, really? and now he's going to appear. So. <laughs> <laughs> really? Uh, not the most detailed plot summary there, but perhaps appropriate. I like, uh, I li- I like any... Any summary that uses uh, three sentences or, or a long, uh, more words to say what could have been said in very, very few words. It's a movie about Shazam. Yes. M- more Basically Shazam. The, more yeah. Shazam. Yeah. You get more Shazam in this Shazam. <laughs> <laughs> now, when Shazam was released in 2019, uh, I actually was pleasantly surprised by this movie. You know, I, I think we no, all were. Yeah. I have no attachment to this franchise at all mm-hmm. uh, emotionally it's not like something i really uh, adored growing up or anything like that and what uh david sandberg was able to deliver with a screenplay by henry gaden was a pretty heartfelt story of this kid mm-hmm. billy batson um trying to find love and family in this world uh with a fairly amusing performance by zachary levi and uh, a decent villain with mark strong not you know pretty, pretty mark standard strong as- a villain Pretty, <laughs> pretty standard it's, as far as villains go, you know. But yeah. like nothing, you know. Literally Mark, playing Mark Strong. Mark again. Strong gives Mark good Strong villain in kick ass. You Mark know? Strong in Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> yeah. Man, he gives good villain, and so uh, mm-hmm. of course, uh, it, it, many elements of the movie prove to be irresistible. So that's why I like seeing Mark Strong in Tar so much. Yeah, yeah. very just, not just Mark little, Strong. Mark Strong. You know, little mm, Mark Weak. What was more Mark? Was, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so anyway, uh, at the t- same time that Shazam came out, did pretty well. A bunch of other DC movies came out, did pretty well. There has been chaos unfolding over at Warner Brothers. <laughs> Multiple <laughs> regime changes uh-huh. uh, and a complete reworking of what it means to be in the DCU. So it is with great apprehension that I come into this movie wondering, like, what is this movie's place in the DCU? Can it deliver? A satisfying individual story, regardless of any of that. Nobody I told this you, movie. No, nobody told this movie that there was reworkings at, at yeah. the WB. <laughs> they're in Philadelphia. There's all this other stuff happening in the world, but they're just in Philadelphia, guys. Yes, it's all they're seeing. It's very M Night Shyamalan esque in uh-huh, terms of uh, uh-huh. in terms of how isolated it is from everything else. Everything else happening in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all that said, Devinder Hardwar, did you find this to be a worthy follow up to 2019's Shazam? You know what? I did. And it's weird because I think I I have been seeing a lot of negative reviews for this movie. And I think you're kind of maybe cursed when you introduce something that's so new and refreshing to 
I think a, an increasingly stale superhero formula. Um, and the DC stuff, we just didn't know what to expect because so much, so much of it was like hit or miss. But I think um, the first Shazam was a huge surprise. It proved that David S. Sandberg could also do a big superhero movie. Also proves what we've been talking about. Horror directors make really great superhero film directors. Like that genre the same like genre pacing, the same sort of like reveals and everything kind of work out between genres there. Um, I think this movie has the problem that Guardians of the Galaxy 2 has in that the first movie was so fun, such a huge surprise. And then it's like, do it again, Sam. Well, it's never it's never going to be the same. But you know what? I do like the tune it's playing. Like, I think it is a perfectly serviceable kids uh, superhero movie with some really fun horror elements i like it's fine i think it's perfectly fine i really enjoyed it i never felt bored while watching it and i actually think um this movie actually tries for something it is emotionally grounded in a way because it's all about billy batson and his feelings of abandonment you know and his feelings of trying to have a hashtag family losing the hashtag family and it's really like that's really the core of this movie and i think that that really does carry its way all the all the way through. Like the way characters act, the way the rest of the family and the other kids act, I think it all makes sense, and they all feel like real, genuine human emotions. So yeah, I was, I didn't, I don't really care as much for Billy as a character to be honest, but all those other kids, I kind of love them. Like they're just so much fun, and especially Jack Dylan Grazer as Freddie Freeman and his alter ego Adam Brody. Um, I want to see Adam Brody in more things. Um, we will talk more about like what happens to him in this movie. Um. I like all the kids. I, I the one girl who is the youngest one, right? The young kid who as an adult has to play as a young kid, I think is always funny to me. And I think the actress does a great job with that too. So the set pieces are fun. It's really funny at times. Like there are some great gags in this movie that I laughed at. And uh, yeah, I had a good time with it. it. It It's not the first Shazam. It can never be the first time, but I think revisiting this universe really made me glad, um, you know, that we got to see all these folks again. I want, I want to see more of this family for sure. Would not have guessed Devendra would be pretty okay with Shazam Fury of the Gods, but uh, I'm glad you liked it. Had a good time, Devendra. And speaking of hashtag family, Chris Morgan is one of the writers on this movie. He also has uh, yep. produced and written several Fast and Furious movies, if I'm not mistaken. F- funny or, that there is a Fast and Furious re- uh, reference right in front of Helen Mirren, but yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the woman, the F- actress who plays Magdalene Shaw... Uh, in Deckard Shaw's mom in the Fast and Mm -hmm. Furious movies. It's a weird, weird situation. Very weird. Anyway, uh, Jeff, hopefully I didn't step in your limerick there. Uh, What do you think (laughs) about Shazam Fury of the Gods? Five lines about Magdalene Shaw. Garbage now. (laughs) (laughs) I have so many poems that I could tell me when coming. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) What I think about Shazam Fury of the Gods is best summed up in the form of this limerick. Mm. I think I liked the first Shazam, but this sequel's so bad, I'm like, damn. Wow. Why did they repeat it? I'd like to delete it, the equivalent of movie spam. Wow. Jeez. This movie had me had me second guessing my like of the first movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the same creative team, and I'm like, they did they Am I remembering that right? Did I actually enjoy that movie? Have I been holding that up as one of the well, highlights of the DC? You had the surprise. You had the surprise of the first movie, right? I guess. So, I, guess yeah. I just feel like nothing in this movie works for me. I was not on this movie's wavelength at any point. And I have... Well, 
I want to step back for a second. I want to say the first thing I, I thought when I watched this is so recently watched Shazam Fury of the Gods, Creed Three, yep. Scream Six. Ant-Man. I just watched John Wick Four. Yeah. Ant Man and the Wasp. Jeez. Magic Mike's Last Dance. Yep. Right. <laughs> you know, all of those situations, I realize now in all of those situations, and it, it struck me most acutely starting Shazam Fury of the Gods. In all of those situations, I was like, what happened last time? What, what happened? <laughs> we really I'm need a previous. Like, like, yeah, there's no I, I previously think a previous. On. There should be a well, previously that's on. Need to do yeah. it. That's yes. my point is yeah. television shows do a previously on. But for some reason, movies uh-huh. are above that. Like that is that is <laughs> beneath a film to actually do. But why? Why? It's a it's a courtesy to the audience. <laughs> we we that need it. Television shows do. Like the fact that succession is not above telling you a previously on, you know? And I'm sorry, Shazam Fury of the Gods. You are no succession. But I feel like at this point with, with movie sequelitis and the, you know, and believe me, I know, you know, Marvel has, has, has done this worse than anybody. But I think at this point, like, I have too many franchises in my head. I'm excited to go into Creed 3. I'm excited to start John Wick 4. I'm excited for all these movies. But when I sit down, I'm like, Wow, they're really expecting me to have recently caught a, really know where we left the story off, you know? Anyway. So I like I said, th- this movie I I should maybe have gone back and rewatched Shazam before watching this. I felt like it was recent enough that I'd remember it, but it definitely made me start doubting the fact that I liked that movie because this I'm going to have almost all of the same problems that I had with Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. I feel mm-hmm. like these two movies are the poster children for comic book movie pablum. You know, it is exactly what's wrong with comic book movies right now. Like none, nothing in this movie. I, I really wish I'd seen the movie that Devinder saw because I was listening to him describe it. And I was like, I wish I thought all those things. I felt like none of this movie had weight. No, I, hmm. None of the characters had anything they cared about. I have no idea what the villains are doing in this movie at all. The, everybody feels like they're playing dress up. No one feels like they're in an actual place at any, at any time ever. Uh, it, it, it's like, it's so, it's a nothing burger. It's a complete nothing burger. And like Ant-Man and the Wasp, in that review, I said the same thing in that it's a competent, it's not a, incompetent movie it like it holds together structurally it doesn't insult my intelligence particularly and so in that sense i kind of agree with davinger that it's fine but like it's not it is so forgettable and so like i said it's like spam it just i just delete it from my mind instantly and it makes me think like was the first one that but the first one was fun i have i have some specific problems with this one of them is there is a sort of teen romance that happens at the beginning of this movie that makes absolutely no sense. The girl likes the boy for no reason whatsoever. And then as we continue to learn more about the girl, it makes less and less sense that that happens at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, and it is it's trite. It is badly written. It's, it's poorly executed. <laughs> My biggest like personal pet peeve about this movie, and I don't remember if I had it in the first movie. I may have, but it just may have been so fun that I didn't care. 
My biggest pet peeve with this movie is that Zachary Levi is doing this really fun, irreverent, jokey, young kid in an adult body, like big as a superhero thing. But the kid isn't. The kid who yeah. plays Billy Batson isn't doing any of the stuff that Zachary he's Levi is doing. He's not doing anything. He's not doing anything, to be honest. Like, so, I, he's like a, snore he's, he's barely yeah. in the movie. But yeah. Zach, well, yeah. but Zachary Levi is playing a young kid, and the young yeah. kid is trying to play an adult. And yeah. Yeah. There's no yeah. point that I believe that that young kid behaves at any point like Zachary Levi is behaving in this movie because we yeah. never see him do anything like that. The He's actor never who joking. plays Freddie Freeman, Jack Dylan Grazer, has that vibe. Like he is. Yeah, a kid. He, yes. he, he should has have the been vibe. Shazam. He should have been the star. Yes. He yes. should have been Shazam. Yes. Yes. Right. yes. He, he, Zachary <laughs> Levi is doing that. Yes. That gag. Mm -hmm. Yes. And the kid is like. You know, wacky, yeah. quippy, yeah, he's and like fun. Goofy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it, it. It makes at no point do I like the fun of big, or these kinds of movies is like, oh my gosh, the adult actor is playing a, a, a kid in an adult body, and I think Zachary Levi is one hundred percent doing that. But that kid does. It's not that kid he's playing. He's playing some yeah, other kid. Yeah. It, this kid it, is a it, snooze. Yeah, yeah. It, it's such a snooze, and the whole movie's a snooze. Like, dude, I, I, I could not wait for this movie to end. It, it, like, it just there's it's a nothing burger, and there's there's like all of this God stuff that is it, it just just thrown. It just feels like someone threw something at a wall. It's like, oh look, all of the God stuff that you've ever heard of is in the movie for some reason. It, it like what. You know, what is Lucy Liu doing in this movie? Uh, it, it's, it, uh, it's all, dude, I just thought this movie was completely <laughs> so you don't like forgettable. It, you, you don't like it. <laughs> so, but it's like, it's uh, not uh, TLDR. <laughs> yeah. It's not like, like you said, it's fine, yeah, yeah. but like, that's yeah. just not good enough for yeah. the, the effort, the talent, mm -hmm. the money that was brought to bear on this. Like what, what are we doing? You know what? I all will right. reassess my statement. I will say it's more than fine. I will say it's both. <laughs> well, wow. so just, just to I, have a clear, I'm, a clear demarcation. I'm surprised. Here I'm surprised that Devinder being so yeah. positive. On, like, okay, so uh, Ryan Broderick, internet journalist, uh, who I uh, enjoy his work greatly over at the Garbage Day newsletter, he had a, a mega viral tweet recently, where he said, uh, "You know, the Captain America, First Avenger, right?" Um, the post credit scene. I think it's the post credit scene, right? Where uh, so I'm going to spoil the post credit scene of, of Captain America: First Avenger. He wakes up in some facility, and mm -hmm. then he like hears a baseball game on the radio, and then he's like, "Hey, um, I know, you know, uh, that baseball game's not real because I was there, so that can't be an actual baseball game." And uh, and you know, then he realizes he's actually been cryogenically frozen until he's in the future, and he busts out and he's in Times Square or whatever. You know, like it's actually great. One of the Isn't great. That, that's the final scene. That's not the post-credit scene, I believe. It's, okay. it's one of the well, yeah. Final scene, mid-credit scene. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Oh, you yeah. might, you might be right. You might be right. It's the final. It's the final scene. Anyway, because so, you end on the shot of him in Times Square. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. You're right about that. You're right about that. But anyway, he was saying how uh, basically that scene is notable because it's one of the last times he can remember where a Marvel <laughs> character reacted to a physical object in a room. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Like, yes. Like, what? Like. Uh, 
like in in many Marvel films, it's like they're not even in the space that they're in, and so mm-hmm. like the fact that he's in an <laughs> actual room and there's a physical object in the room there's that he's set. like he runs seeing, through a set. Yeah, yeah, he's walking through a set. He's reacting to it like that's notable, you know. Uh, and I do think that uh, we get a lot of that <laughs> kind of vibe, certainly with Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania, where it felt like yes, I, I, at no nothing, point, nothing, at no point real. do I believe yeah. any of these characters are yeah. in any of these spaces, right? The chair they are sitting on doesn't exist. It's all like, <laughs> yeah. Now I think this movie does suffer a little bit from that, um, but it's not as bad as Quantumania, in my opinion. But it's it's still pretty rough. There's many scenes where it's like. Uh, I don't actually believe this is a real space. It doesn't look real. Um, and, and that is a big problem. Now, uh, I, I actually, as you know, I'm going to try to take the middle line between the two of you and say it was fine. I think that per what Jeff's saying, like it does feel weightless. It does feel like super heavy CG. But uh, there are some pretty cool things in the movie that I don't think Jeff Kanata is giving it credit for. Okay, let me throw a few things out there. First of all, what I love about David Sandberg movies is, as you mentioned, Devendra, he comes from a horror director background. Yeah. He can't there's, help but be There's always going to be some yeah. really effed up stuff in the movie. There's always going to be stuff that's like really upsetting mm-hmm. in the movie. Um, and so there's a, there's a bunch of those things in this movie. <laughs> so as an example, um, the movie opens and you discover like what the, you know, uh, Lucy Liu and Helen Mirren play these gods in the movie, right? And the movie opens... And you kind of learn very quickly that they have the ability to like whisper into someone's ear, and then like the person's eyes will become like truly, and cloudy, truly, freaky. and then they'll yeah. become like a different human. Certainly, That's something a... that could have they could have used more times than twice. <laughs> that is a really cool concept, though, right? Like, I just love that goes idea. nowhere, it's, it's, goes absolutely actually, nowhere. Sure, but it's executed pretty well, and they use and they use it a few times, Jeff. They don't use it just twice, but you know, yeah, they use it a few uh, times. Yeah, I think that uh, whole opening sequence, a couple the of the opening sequence yeah. is cool. In, yeah. in that, at the it, end, you know, we'll talk yeah. about we'll talk yeah. about things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They try to compel yeah. one character, and his force of will is so strong they can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's and there's a bunch of like desi- like uh, I think in general, like the design of many of the creatures is pretty cool. And um, there's a there's a kind of Harry Potter version of Microsoft Clippy in this movie. Uh, that like, no, uh, dude, like I have a specific true. thing I want to say about that. Okay. okay oh let's, let's, let's wait to spoilers. That's a spoiler. Let's yeah. wait to spoilers. Let's <laughs> wait to spoilers. But I guess there's like, there's enough cool things in the movie that I'm like, oh, I, I can see how kind of potentially, uh, be, you know, based on the first movie, there's like some horrifying, I think it was like the seven sins in the first movie, right? Yep. And there, those are like pretty freaking horrifying things. Uh, as rendered in the first film. And I feel like there's enough of those kinds of things in the second movie that I'm like, all right, there's enough like meat here that I appreciate uh, kind of what David Sandberg is trying to do. Um, And I think that if I had watched this movie as a kid, I'd be like, oh, that's a great continuation of the Shazam Mm -hmm. story. This is very much, Uh, I think, directly a kid's movie compared to the first movie. Right, right. I think where the movie does fall down is the first movie really had a heart with the Billy Batson story that this one's missing. It tries to kind of fill that in with this kind of Billy Batson's relationship to his family. Doesn't work because Billy Batson is in the movie for about seven minutes. And also Billy um, Batson sucks. Like the, the, <laughs> the actor, as we have all said, like Asher yeah. Angel, sorry, buddy, but... Well, it's uh, not yeah. even the I actor. Something. I think it's yeah. like, I don't know why that, that performance is the way it is, but... Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, probably it may be like there is some mismatch between what Zachary Levi is trying to do and what what Asher Angel is trying to bring to the role. But anyway, they try to fill it in with like Billy Batson's relationship to his adopted family. 
doesn't quite work. That said, there are some cool elements to the ending that I really enjoyed mm-hmm. and some elements that were not great. And we'll talk about those in a little bit. But so so basically, real mixed bag, definitely approaching quantum mania levels of roughness, but not quite as bad as quantum mania, in my opinion. So I do think it's significantly better than what Jeff gives it credit for. So those are my thoughts. Um, but why don't we get to spoilers, guys? Because there's a bunch of things to discuss. Okay. So spoilers for Shazam, Fury of the Gods, starting right now. I've thought up an ending for my book. It makes no damn sense. Compels me, though. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. When I buy a new book, I always read the last page first. That way, in case I die before I finish, I know how it ends. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. All right. We are in spoilers for Shazam Fear of the Gods. So I liked little pen guy. Steve, I think. Little pen guy rules. Yeah, Steve. No. That's a pretty cool. That's a pretty cool it's funny. design. It's pretty cool. It's funny to me that the the notion of this magical thing where you can ask it to summarize a a story for you and it it's Chat GPT, you guys. We it have is. that it right is. now. You we don't need now. a magical pen. You literally oh everything God. the magical Are pen you, does in can this Jeff, movie. Chat GPT send a message with paper to anybody whose name you whisper, Jeff. I, no, I believe they call it email. No. Email, Devendra. It's called email. Jeff, email Jeff, in you, the forgotten realm. What is yeah. where? Where is the where is the childlike wonder? In you're like no wonder. The Jeff Kanata, yeah. You're like a freaking old man, dude. Like I'm it's an old a man. I don't know if you're pen. aware of that. It's a fucking it's a pen. pen that takes it's dictation, dude. Like, I'm telling it you, animate itself and do things like everything dude, that it does. That is it, everything that it does. A cool idea. Yeah. I just, yeah. The, <laughs> Objectively, as a personality, go ahead, Jeff. Go ahead. I'm just trying to say that I thought it was funny that they're like, Wow, we have this magical thing where we can ask it to what are all the Greek, what are all the Greek bad guys, and who are all the Greek gods? I'm like, You can Bing does that right now, right now. You like don't need a magical pen, it will do exactly exactly Microsoft. I'm losing losing my mind. Like, it's just like this is such a weird. First of all, this movie was made before ChatGPT was released. Yeah, yeah. And but also, the internet doesn't have this full history of what's what's going on (laughs) in this magical realm. It didn't come come out before it was released. Yeah. Um, Okay. Uh, Yeah. The the, the weird. (laughs) And the if joke I of the made pen. a movie, if I oh made a movie, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting up like from Jeff's magical pen. pen. This, going on this is how the film cast ends over a magical pen in a Shazam movie. I just, I just <laughs> threw my headphones down and got up off the chair just now because I'm like, I have no this idea what's it. even this happening. Is, we've <laughs> ten plus years. It's all over from the from the Jeff I, I GPT think, pen. I think what we've learned is Jeff Steve. has a secret se- screenplay for Shazam three. And uh, Jeff is just going <laughs> to shit on any other Shazams. I GPT wrote it for me, and I was really, yeah. really ready to make it, it work. Just, uh, I mean, why not even Google? Uh, okay, okay, whatever. <laughs> what? Uh, Google what? I'm just saying it. You could also say Google does a similar thing. You well, know? he it said Bing does it because any well, Bing has ChatGPT in it. Something. But anyway, okay, okay. That's yeah. Why I, yeah, yeah, I'm not a fan of Bing, Dave. I'm just saying. I, know. I think it's funny. <laughs> Did a big I think it's out. funny. Yeah. It's not, I don't. I don't even think it's a flaw of the movie. I just thought it was very <laughs> funny to me. It's like if you're in a fantasy world, and you know, someone in the in the world invents has a magical solution for something that literally. Everybody can do already. That's the Jeff, thing that's the, funny the, to me. Okay, but but the part of the thing that's fantastical is not 
asking a thing and getting answers. It's the fact that it's a pen that can write <laughs> things of its own volition and can fly the, around. The pen like has a personality. That is the fun thing. Yeah. It has yeah. a personality using like one little string yeah. of things. That's a cool design. <laughs> That's a cool <laughs> character design. The joke okay. is that it's very literal. It will record everything you say. And I yeah, think that, and that, 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 that was, was my, hilarious. My biggest laugh we've of the all, movie. We've all had that experience yes. when dictating yes. into yes. a phone. Yes. Yes. My biggest laugh of the movie was when Helen Mirren is reading off like, the whole, the whole yeah. thing. That was that was yeah. awesome. Great moment. Only laugh of the movie, but yes. Okay. All right. Uh, anyway, that's not the biggest issue with the whole <laughs> film. Oh, really, Jeff? Because it sounds like we just spent five minutes talking about it. Um, it's because you guys were so offended that I would insult your favorite friend, Steve the <laughs> no, Pan. No, no, not that you insulted, but that you would say it's because of ChatGPT that it's invalid. Okay. All right. We have to move on. We have to move on. Uh, okay. So uh, uh, I do think that the ending could have been pretty cool. Like, mm-hmm. if they hadn't had the Gal... So, spoilers for the movie, but and it's given away in the TV spot. Gal Gadot shows up, and uh, for no reason... No reason. Kind of revives Shazam back from the dead. Okay, but, like, imagine if that scene didn't happen, right? Like, if that had been where Shazam had died. Uh, mm-hmm. That would have been that would have been cool. Like, like if they're gonna if they kill this character off, that's amazing. It's, in the second movie, po- it's actually like poignant when he's like saying yeah. goodbye to his family and like, and then he's like, "I'm gonna sacrifice myself." And it's like, yes, this is what the true heart of a warrior is. Like, oh, sure, like, sure, and sure. they set, did a pretty good job setting up the Philadelphia Dome, which is there for some reason. You know, like yeah. it's like, oh yeah, it's all all the pieces are there for him to give his life. Um, I thought that could have been cool, and yeah. then of course they completely undo it. I mean, I right come on. Scene. This is you give a horror director a dead body and like a fresh pile of dirt. He's just waiting. He's just waiting for the shot for the hand to come out of the dirt. <laughs> you know it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. at least have he, it be a post credit scene though. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know because it wasn't post credits in this case. Also, it is wild to think that this is the last we're ever going to see of Gal Gadot's version of Wonder Woman. Do you, do you realize that? Do, like, is that true? I mean. I don't know. We don't there, know that there to be no, true, do we? There is no other confirmed project in which she is in right now. So that could change. Yet, ja- yeah, that, that doesn't change. mean. That could change. But that it's like change. it's at this point, it is very possible. Like, there's no active development on Wonder Woman mm-hmm. three, as far as I understand. So, like, that that's this, why this I could, feel like this, this cameo empty, completely empty. This could I felt very nothing. well be the end yeah. for Wonder Woman, which yeah. is like pretty shameful. Like that character it's, deserves a better ending than this. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. connective tissue to nothing. It's the weirdest mm-hmm. thing. It's like I said at the, when we started recording. Nobody told this movie that the rest of the DCU is changing. You know, this, this the hierarchy like, of oh, power. Yeah, yeah. and then the, and then the actual post credit scene is like we're making the Justice Society. It's like no, you're not. No, no, you're not. No, I no. mean, maybe they, no, you're not. they could. Those are the characters from uh, what's it? What's that other show. So <laughs> I know. Yeah. yeah, Peacemaker. 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 Yeah. None of that. I do. I do love. Shout out to Mister Mind who returns again in the final post credit scene. That was fun. Mm. That's a lot of fun. Mm. Uh, I, I just like how Jeff Kanata, uh, yeah, yeah, in any other movie would be freaking out. Guys, there's people from the TV <laughs> show in the movie. Oh, I can't believe we live in a world where you can have TV show characters in a movie, and it's like if it actually meant anything, because <laughs> we don't know. We just, we literally, a guts. guy, a guy stood in front of a lectern and was like, "Everything's changing. I'm ju- changing don't, everything." Don't talk to if, the mic. Won't pick it up if you scream too loud into it it won't yeah, sometimes yeah. it'll like clip out. yeah all right well i'm just saying he, st- <laughs> he stood in front of the lectern and he was like mm-hmm. yeah he literally before the movie comes out is is like we're wiping the slate clean and then this movie is like oh no we got all this connective tissue 
don't know. Th- so things change. I, I don't understand. Last week, that guy was not directing Superman. Now he is. Now, so, his, now his wife is in the post credit scene of Shazam Fury of the Gods. Oh, is that his wife? Huh. Yeah, that's, that's his sweet. wife. Uh, let's let's he, move past the think, Mr. Mind thing. Do you think James Gunn would put his wife in a post credit scene that he's not going to pay off? In, in a movie like Jenna Fisher <laughs> in so. Slither? Yeah. I don't think yeah. so. I don't think so. Did All you guys right, see the, the final uh, after credit scene, by the way? Uh, I did not. Okay, so, I got the uh, hell out of it. The return of Mark Strong! Yeah. And so Mr. Mind. At, at the end of Shazam 1, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Mind shows up in Mark Strong's prison and is like, hey, Voiced by together, David Sandberg, by the way. Together, yeah. we can team up and rule the world. You know, like, that's kind of what he yeah. says. This will be paid off in the second movie, they said. They did. It, they paid it, it off. Was. In the, it in was the, paid in the off. You should have stuck post, around, Jeff. Post, post credit should have stuck around. Movie. Okay. Because uh, uh, one, of, one of the best jokes of the movie is um, Mr. Mind has this, like, grand plan. He's like, I have little legs. I have to scurry everywhere. It takes me a while to get this plan <laughs> together. And that, sorry, that killed me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Okay, oh, other oh, things. Kudos. Uh, That's great. Wonderful. Other things yeah. I like about the movie. Um, I I liked like the idea of uh, these creatures from mythology like visiting mm-hmm. Philadelphia and just completely killing everyone. Like th- again, like just it, it feels like Sandberg's horror movie roots informing this movie in a fun and scary and uh, terrifying mm-hmm. way. Like if I if I had watched Shazam one or two as a kid, I would be having nightmares about those movies. In my opinion, Shazam and, uh, one has a murder room sequence. You forget that, like where <laughs> people in a conference room are murdered. That's what I'm by, saying. Yeah, that's yeah, the most yeah. horrifying scene in that movie. Yeah, and uh, and this this you know movie also has like you know those things rampage around. Uh, love the take on the unicorn. You know, like as like the most horrifying. Jaman Hansu talking about the unicorn as the most terrifying creature in mythology. I think that's a that, funny that concept. It's funny. W- yeah. Way better if the unicorn doesn't look like a nightmare, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. If it literally is is the pristine, beautiful, white, rainbow I mean, thing, and it's still that's horrible, one way, way better. That's one way of doing yeah. it, Jeff. It's, way, it's a better yeah. way of doing it. If this was it. Jeff's Shazam movie, <laughs> how, it would be a beautiful how, unicorn. How, this is, uh, this is how Jeff, awful wow. is that? How yeah, awful was that, uh, that, 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 um, product pl- placement though, man. But that it was very weird. weird. It was hilarious. It was weird. Taste it was the rainbow, weird. motherfucker. That, yeah. yeah. So, but see, that is a funny line. That is a funny line. Unfortunately, you gotta set it up, Jeff. No, you don't. <laughs> you don't have to <laughs> see this. You don't have to set it up by saying "taste the rainbow" the first time and then "taste the rainbow, mother." You you ruined the you ruined the joke. <laughs> Of saying "taste the rainbow" by saying "taste the rainbow" the first time, it, it, may, it, may, it may have been thirty seconds apart. It's it may like, have been contractual to have a good "taste the rainbow." Yeah, that's the know. problem. I assume that was probably that's it. But the also, problem. The payoff was worth it. I think the payoff was worth it. Personally, oh, uh, also the other thing that I like about this, you know, I'm just trying to point out some things yeah. I enjoy about the movie, Jeff. Um, but I like like kind of Rachel Zegler's powers of like rearranging things. Like at first, I that was, was cool. Was cool. I was kind of confused. It's like, is she actually rearranging things, or is she just? Um, oh, here's another. By, by the that red character makes movie no thing. sense as, at all, though. Okay, let's. Get, I, I will get into. I, I want to hear your thoughts on that. But I want to say, speaking of David Sandberg's horror movie roots, I like that he just straight up had Dietrich Bader's character kill himself for absolutely no reason. Poor like, Dietrich Bader. Dietrich Bader <laughs> just walks a, up. He needs on, more work, man. Dietrich Bader yeah. walks up onto the roof and he literally like c- commits suicide, and it's like. Yeah. That's never referenced again for the rest of the movie. Yeah, it's, like, it's they, they just and it's scary. Him up it's scary too. Hell. It's disturbing yeah. the way he does. Well, and they it, right? talk so, about how he bursts like a grape. It's like yeah, I was like, don't uh, put but that I was image like, in kids' heads. That's <laughs> the thing is like is like I just I like that 
I, I, when I watched the first Shazam, I was like, ooh, these tones are really clashing. But now I'm just like, you know what? Yeah. I, I am grateful for any superhero film that can make me feel horror. You know, like I'm anything. anything. I hated Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, hate's too strong of a word, but yeah. Well, you I mean, weren't grateful I, for it, like you just said. I'm grateful for any. <laughs> I like Sam Raimi. Like, there's very Sam Raimi stuff in that movie. Uh, that, yeah. that, those Sam Raimi stuff I really liked in that movie. So, anyway. Um, and probably my expectations were a little bit higher for that one than this. I'm going to put that out there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what about but, what about Helen Mirren's weird 180-degree flip for no reason at all in this movie? Yeah, I can't. I I no defend, reason at all. I can't defend. Uh, like... It's not no reason at all, Jeff. Like she's clearly worried about Lucy Liu's character being completely drunk with power and betraying their original mission. But I will grant you that it is not exactly the most well laid track for this movie. To and pay also, off, so. maybe I, I think Helen Mirren was kind of the weak link here because I don't. I look at Helen Mirren in that armor and I do not feel fear as as threatening as she tries to be. Lucy Liu, I feel fear. You know, like I feel like that was per- perhaps a miscast there. Mm. All right, both well, of them feel like they're in a weird like the weird costumes that don't fit them in weird sets that they're not actually on both of them just i'm mm-hmm. like oh, i you you both have so much talent like why are we doing this Ugh. so jeff the rachel zegler character didn't work for you no uh you, you and it seems like you had stuff you wanted to say about that so i want to give you well, that opportunity she, you know she shows up immediately falls in love with our 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 main character kid for no reason at all no reason at all um and stays true and faithful to him for no reason at all. It makes even less sense when we realize she's 6,000 years old. And we have characters who comment on how that's icky, but like, yes, that it's not okay to just acknowledge the weird thing in your movie. That doesn't make it go away. It's now it's uh-huh. super icky. Like, why is why does she like that kid? Hey, Jeff, remind me to never show you the Twilight movies, okay? Remind me never to show you the billion-dollar grossing franchise, the Twilight movies, okay? No, you're right, because <laughs> because the Twilight movies are a, a defense of en- literally anything. Oh, yeah. Literally, Hot literally, garbage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but let, let, let's be clear. Like, she, she had, like, a plan to... Not to like seduce it's, him. It's or literally anything, a reverse. She, she was trying to be a friend. Yeah, yes, early Jeff, on. It's a reverse. She's it is all a that. setup. It's a reverse. She's all yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. It kind the, of. He, he, she, she's going in there. Yeah. She's trying to get close to this family who she suspects. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, they all know that he's superheroes because yeah. she needs to get superheroes. Uh, but then at the end of the day, she's like, you know, when I took this bet, you know, I didn't know that I would actually fall in love. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's that's a reverse. Literally, what it is. Jeff. With yeah. a boy that's 5,980 wow. years younger than oh, her. Oh, you're big uh, on math. Hey, wow. yeah, never, never watch any vampire movies. Jeff, never no watch vampire any movies. vampire movies, okay? Never watch any movies where, uh, or, or superhero <laughs> movies for that example. Like, mm, mm. with, uh, oh, oh, never watch Wonder Woman, Jeff, okay? Because Wonder Woman's uh, fucking 400 years older than Steve, you know? <laughs> What the hell, man? That's Never just, watch an accurate representation of Romeo and Juliet. I am, Juliet's I am, I am like like well. losing yeah. my mind. You don't think that it's right now. You don't, dude. Tell me, tell me, you think that 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 romance makes sense? Is well executed? You believe it? It's it's the most trite, poorly written. She, like he he <laughs> she is trying to get in his good graces like it's yeah. not okay. meant it to be an organic it's not meant yeah. to be an organic romance i'm <laughs> you just said that she finds herself in words. love with him <laughs> oh my god yeah by the, by the of, end at the end at the she end. does 
it does kind and of the, turn into one because I think that character is interesting because she's like, she's clearly like, guys, we don't have to destroy this world. We don't have to go so hard. And I found that just kind of interesting. I liked having different point of views, even from the villain side of things, you know? Anyway, and there was a cool moment when she like, when Lucy Lee shoots the beam at her and she like yeah. rearranges the whole oh, city. Man. And then like the beam still is coming at her. That was amazing. I was just like, that was cool. That was cool. Amazing yes, moment. that was cool. Okay. Jeff, yes. you've you've said there's like three things that are good in this movie, okay? Like there, so... yes, there are three effect <laughs> shots that are very effective. <laughs> yes, I'm not. I said the movie was fine, but no, you I didn't. think it's Pablum. <laughs> no, I think you it's, didn't. I, I said I did over and over. I said I agree you with Andrew. The movie's yeah. fine, fine, but like, okay, what are we okay. doing with this? But then I had to reassess my definition of fine <laughs> after hearing your review, Jeff. Yeah, so. yeah. I think that Ant Man and the Wasp is, was like on a certain level fine, but like. It's just it's it that's not good I, I, enough. I, I agree it's it's a missed opportunity to do something a little bit more with these characters. And I think I think the big sin that the movie commits is it leans too far into the Shazam component of it. Like the mm-hmm. first movie was like this balance between Billy Batson and Shazam. Like and and that's an interesting concept of like a child being a you know no other superhero franchise is doing yeah. that right now we're like and also it's a group children. of kids and trying to wrangle a group of kids together as a superhero team impossible well, you, you, i think you, it's kind of funny how that works you do yeah. point you, you do point to one of my issues with this movie Devinger, which is that kids, you know, kids which is that uh helen mirren and lucy Liu are like you kids shouldn't have this awesome godlike power and i'm like mm-hmm. i gotta agree with the villains there i don't feel like giving <laughs> children giving What's a it? child the ability to nuke a city Mm. is uh is a great would you give children nuclear weapons you i know, mean like... <laughs> uh, that sounds like we're rewriting history here because the only reason they had they got the powers was to like defeat the guy who was trying to destroy the city and the world no so, no but but okay yeah. but that that is over that's and over now you can now you, you know hand, now you want to take the powers back hand daddy <laughs> back the nuclear weapons <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hand them over, baby. Come on, you can do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I think that mm-hmm. first, uh, the first sequence where they, first of all, they have the code word to assemble as a team, kind of hilarious because they're trying to do it like under the nose of their parents and the the slow like awareness of the parents too to everything. I find that all funny. It's just funny. I like the parents too because they seem very sweet and they like these adopted kids. That whole bridge sequence, I think, is like a great. I can't imagine any other movie kind of doing it like that because these are kids in this role. They're not like trained. They're not like fully organized. They're still kids. Like you present them a basket of kittens in a car for some reason, they're going to go after the kittens first. And I think all that, I don't know. It just worked for me as a sequence and their problems as a family and as a team. Again, I feel like there's real character motivation here. One character wants to go off and do her own thing, go to college. You know, the parents are kind of worried about these kids. Like, to me, those all felt like grounded motivations, whereas there was no motivation for anything in Quantumania. Like, that was kind of one thing. It's like, oh, I guess we're in the quantum realm now. Oh, I guess we're on a sci-fi adventure now. Um, at least here, despite all the CG, despite, like, the mess of it, it feels, like, rooted in the characters. And that's really all I ask for. You know? I do think it's a step. I do think it's a step up from Quantumania. I also agree. Like I think the reviews were a little bit too harsh on it. Not that much harsh on it, but a little too harsh on it. Um, but that said, I, I think my opinion on superhero films in general has changed over time. You guys know, oh, in sure, sure. Batman v Superman. Batman gives a speech. But Batman's <laughs> supposed to be the bad guy. You know, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like. Uh, this this guy, uh, Superman, he can destroy the whole planet. If there's even a 1% chance that that might happen, we have to treat it like an absolute certainty. And, you know, I think we're meant to view that as, like, unreasonable. 
But as I've mm-hmm. gotten older, I'm like, yeah, I, I think that guy's right. Like, no one should have this power. So when <laughs> I see a girl, when I see a girl like being like, "Ooh, kittens, I'm gonna take those instead of saving your life," I am terrified. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, yeah. yeah. The implications of children having this power are terrifying to be. Terrifying. Like, I think we're supposed to, as the audience, we're supposed to be like, "Tee hee, that's funny." And when I watch it, I'm like. Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu have a point. That's kind of my reaction to this. You, so, you've you've, you've anyway. gone full Zack Snyder now, Dave. 100%. That is the Zack Snyder position. Is that 100%, yes. I mean, these, just, I'm, I'm these like, characters Kevin, are... I'm Kevin Costner in, in Man of Steel. I'd rather die yeah, than have yeah. you use your powers, yeah. basically. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, these characters are a priori terrifying. They're just yeah. like, on the face of it, the notion of a yes. Superman is a horrific 100%. notion. Yeah. I remember there's a scene in uh, the Amazon Prime video series Invincible where uh, what's the main guy's name? The, the, the J.K. Simmons character. He like goes uh, yeah. to this other planet. That's there's this other planet that's like invading Earth, mm-hmm. and he like goes to the other planet, and then he just like flies around like yeah a thousand destroys, times like back and forth, the just completely yeah. annihilates yeah. the planet because he can pass yeah. through anything, and it's just like wow. Like, it's true. Superman could literally destroy the entire planet in like about 10 minutes if he wanted to. Right. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I'm ter- uh, basically you've, I'm saying you've arrived at 19. Scare me. You've arrived yes, at 1990s. I burn in hell. OK, go ahead. Sorry, <laughs> you've arrived at the 1990s postmodern superhero phenomenon. That, yes. uh, I'm, I'm finally where we were 30 years ago. That's right. <laughs> that's yeah. right. Uh, the entire right. X-Men plot line of rounding up kids and them to Genosha. That's where you are now. <laughs> yeah, yeah you're a striker. You're, you're, I'm, you're a Colonel Striker. Yeah. Picture me giving Senate testimony during an X Men movie. Okay, <laughs> that's what you should do. <laughs> all right, all right. Any other thoughts on Shazam: Fury of the Gods? Uh, no, I'm glad we got to okay. talk about it. This went, this review went places I did not expect. So <laughs> that was fun. Yeah, I, I now I just... understand that Jeff Kanata hates joy, um, hates hates delight. You know, that thing I, like, I, uh, I, I search for delight. I, I seek it out. <laughs> I want to find it. I, I that's I, I ask for more than just fine. I want mm-hmm. like we, we, we're at the point now where we we've gotten all of this abundance of riches and we don't need to just have another one, you know, and I know. Listen, I understand how that sounds. Hilarious and and and, <laughs> you know, um, uh, yeah. um, hypocritical from somebody that is a huge fan of the Marvel films. But listen, I've turned on the Marvel films too because we, we can't, yeah. like, yeah. it's we gotta, we can't just keep doing this, folks. We can't. You turned on one Marvel film, Jeff, to, to be clear. One. Uh, did you like Wakanda like almost Forever? 30. Did you like Wakanda Forever? I don't I remember. I thought Wakanda Forever was not great. I yeah. thought it was not okay. great. I think there are great moments in it. I think there are great yeah. themes yeah. in it. But I thought yeah. it was overstuffed. And I think I, I, I said there's just like, it's, it's unwieldy and not great. And... I, what was the one before that? I don't think I would give a, a review of. I think that Doctor was Strange. Multiverse of Madness. That was Multiverse. Was the one yeah. before that. Oh, I like that one. I, I like that one a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, but yes, but yes. Uh, I mean, I this is the this is a, a problem is that it, it feels like these things are sort of just moving of their own accord instead of and 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 I mean, what I loved about the phase one, phase two, phase three of, of, of the Marvel stuff is that it felt like it was all building to something and that felt special. And, and I, I I'm also going to put this out there. I'm also going to put this out there. I haven't seen, I have not seen John Wick chapter four, but I have heard it as one of the greatest feats of action filmmaking in the history of mankind. Cannot wait. That's what I, that's what I said. I have seen it. And, and, uh, 
and my guess is your viewing of Shazam Fury of the Gods was not served by you seeing like that movie. Like one day after, after you saw John Wick, right? It was literally the day after. It was literally the day after. And yes. That'd be rough. I, that'd be rough. That'd be rough come down probably. I can imagine that. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Well, well, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, I don't want to say anything about John Wick Four right now because we will be talking about John Wick yeah, Four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. But at the end of the day, uh, it still is really impressive that David Sandberg made a movie. And with that, I think we can wrap up the filmcast for today. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail dot com. Uh, a huge thanks to Noah Ross for providing our weekly plugs music as well as our spoiler bumper and also Tim McEwen from the Midnight and Varsity Blue for providing our theme song. Uh, this episode was edited by me, David Chen. Video editing provided by Kurt Mega and John Barry. And uh, if again, you can always support us at patreon.com slash filmpodcast. Email us at slash filmcast.gmail.com. Okay, I think that's everything. Uh, next week, it is going to be John Wick Chapter 4. Now, I'm going to be honest, guys. Uh, my patience with the John Wick franchise was pretty much at an end from a from a story perspective uh, after John Wick Chapter 3. Uh, but the things I'm hearing about Chapter 4, man, get me super excited. Yeah, well, so, also, really... two words, Donnie Yen. Don't, yeah. don't get excited yeah. about story perspective, Dave. That's yeah, all I'm saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it is, but you This d- better have the best story I've ever seen in the movie. <laughs> it, it is three hours long, which is yeah. something yeah. I did not realize until I literally sat down. I told my wife, oh, honey, don't worry. I'll be home by 10. And uh, oh, I'll be home by like 930. And uh, <laughs> then I realized, oh, no, 11 o'clock yeah. is when we're getting out of this movie. Uh, yeah, so yeah. I can't wait to uh, watch the movie, discuss it with the folks here on the film cast. Uh, So stay tuned for that next week. Until then, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you later.